0: These verses are so important, uh, again, of why, where we're going and how we're going to get where we're going and what Paul is telling us. So let's go to the next slide Colossians 1 15 through 20. Let's look at this again. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He, the being Jesus, he existed before anything was created and is supreme. That word supreme, if you break that word down, do a word study on that. It's first preeminent ruler, the ultimate authority chief. He has the final say. So there's no question what Paul is saying about Jesus. There's no question of who's in control and who's in charge. And he says Jesus was at the beginning and he is supreme over all creation. All creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on on, on the earth. He made the things we can see and the things that we cannot see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything, everything was created through him and for him. That includes us. We were created for him. We were not created for ourselves. We were not created to be in control. We were not created to be the have you know to be the throne of our own life and be the control of our own destiny. We were created to make Christ supreme to bring Him glory. So we were created through Him and for Him. He existed before anything else, and He holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is His body. He is the beginning supreme over all who rise to the dead. So He is first in everything. He is first in everything. And that is the challenge of all of our hearts is, will we make Him first? Will we make Him supreme? That's what it boils down to. You've heard me say this before about what it means to be a Christ follower, a Christian. It cannot be understood out of the place and unless you get to the place of unconditional, complete and total surrender to Him. That is the only way Christianity can be totally understood. You don't become a Christian and keep living your own life. It's, it's, that, that, that's not the real definition of what a believer of Christ, a follower of Christ. If, if we're following, He's leading. Again, the whole idea of when Jesus called disciples, He to come follow me. Not come to me, and then you lead, and you tell me, and you start ma- naming the rules, and you start making all the decisions. No, so you come, follow me. I will show you. I will speak things very specifically. But I must be the leader, and that's what Jesus says to all of humanity: Come, follow me. That's why he, when he's talking about what it means to be a he's got to take up the cross and follow me every day. You have to say no to yourself. You got to say no to your selfish ambitions. And you take up your cross every day because it's a daily walk. Relationship is daily. Is he supreme? Verse 19 says, For God in all his fullness is pleased to live in Christ. So Christ is fully God. And through him God reconciled everything to himself. The reconciliation. And he made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. And there's the good news. Is that we can't get there. We can't. Understand eternal life by being good enough in our own abilities and by our own strong will. It's by his death on the cross through his resurrection that's what, how we have life. We can't do it ourselves. And he's reconciled everything. And so then, okay, jumping into uh, the next passage uh, where we are specifically, we were last week and this week, I'm going to read through this, touch on the ones that we were last very quickly, and then move into where we're going to be today. So, verse 10. So again, why we go to Colossians one? Paul is again laying a foundation. You need to understand the supremacy of Jesus Christ. This is the battle for supremacy. That's why I call this, here, this, this series the series the battle for supremacy because it's a battle for our hearts. Will we make Christ supreme over all things in our lives? And so Paul saying, when I get when he gets later on in chapter three, he says, you first need to understand Christ must be supreme. He must be supreme. And so in verse 10, he says, Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or three Christ is all that matters. He lives in all of us. Since God shows you to be the holy people He loves, you must clothe yourself with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults. And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. It goes beyond our feelings. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes through Christ rule in your hearts. So As members of one body, you're called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ and all his gifts you fill your lives teach and counsel each other without all the wisdom he gives, sing psalms and hymns and scripture songs to God with thankful hearts. Whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. And so, again, Paul is saying, I'm going to show you, I'm going to speak to you on how to live a Godly life, but it must begin in the place that Christ is supreme. He's first, he's preeminent. And then when we understand that and we're following history and we're walking in relationship, then we can you walk this out. And so we're going to go through really quickly where we were last week. I'm going to do these very fast, one through five. So just kind of gives you, again, uh, where we're at. First of all, it put on a new nation, be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. We must get that this idea is not just us following Jesus as slaves. The word "know" there, as you become to know your Creator, is, is the word. It's intimacy. It's love. It's that He created us for relationship with Himself. So he wants us more than just to follow as are following Him as our Master, which He is, but also walking with Him, knowing Him in relationship. so we're invited to this place of relationship. Number two, verse eleven he breaks down this and he says in this new life and, and Paul thinks it's very uh, interesting things there because back in that day you know as, as with today when people are making like these you know in the kingdom of God there's no like, Jew or Gentile you know the Jews were saying well you know the, the, the Jews that became Christians they said well it's just for the Jews only and then the Gentiles were saying well, no God's rejecting the Jews Paul is saying you no know, he didn't let go of all of that this thing of Christianity, this thing that Jesus did, is for all people. The gospel is for everyone. And he even gets to—he says does, it doesn't matter if it was barbarian or Scythian. Barbarians were horrible people. It's where you know the the, the things that you up in your mind when you hear a barbarian. And Paul, interestingly enough, is barbarian or Scythian. Barbarians were bad. Scythians were like really bad. And he said the gospel is for the worst of the worst. It's for the most broken. It is, it, it, it's, it's not about rich or poor, black or white, male or female. The gospel is for everyone. The good news, forgiveness of sins is for everyone. And, it's good, and that just excites me. So it doesn't matter. And, and, and so even using the word the the words, it doesn't matter what your past is. The sins of your past. God can redeem you. The gospel is for everyone. So, number three, uh, verse twelve says, so "God chose you to be His holy people. That He loves. You must clothe yourself." to. So he says, "If Christ is supreme, if He's leading you, you must clothe yourself." A couple of weeks ago, we we talked about what He talked about. Uh, uh, what Paul said to to put off. And he talked about different sins, sexual morality and greed and these different things, um, hatred, uh, unforgiveness. You just put that off. But here's what to put on. This is how we should treat people mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Because ultimately, that's how Jesus treated us. Thank God. To clothe yourself with that. This is how we should see people. Even though that we disagree with or we differ from. We should not be in the fray of culture and being mean spirited and throwing barbs at other people. We should walk in a different spirit. Clothe yourself with mercy, and kindness, humility, and, kindness and patience. Number 4, verse 13. And this is specifically a, where, where he gets into our relationship with each other as the church. As fellow believers, make allowance for each other's faults. That's good marriage advice, too, right? Family advice. Make allowance for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you. Because of Christ, we have no right to hold on to offense, hold on to grudges and refuse to forgive. I understand sometimes it's hard based on what people have walked through, but God wants to bring us to a place where we can forgive and we can not hold on to being offended and not making an excuse and say, well, the other person did this and still have a right to be offended. God wants new He says, let go of it. Remember the Lord forgave you. And so we must forgive others. We live in a culture that says, if I disagree with you or we have a problem in a relationship, a lot of times we disconnect and we run away and we isolate ourselves. And if we belong to Christ, it has to be different. Because we're going to let each other down. We're going to offend each other. It happens in homes. It happens among friends. It happens among the church. How How are we going to maneuver through it? And number 5, verse 14, this is probably the key verse last week, above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us together. And Paul's talking about this love is the glue that should hold you together. What love is he talking about? He's not just talking about any love. He's not talking about like gooey feelings. He's talking about agape, self-sacrificial love. I love you so much, I lay down my life for you. I'm willing to lay down my life for you in the love. He said, that is the kind of love that binds you together. All through the New Testament, when we're commanded to love, and there are other words for love in the Bible, one being, again, nurturing love, one being a love, but the predominant use of the word love is the word of God. Love each other as Christ loved you. That's exactly they lay your life down for each other. Lay down your rights to yourself. Husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the like church. Again, he's not saying emotionally, and you we know that in, in relationships to feelings because we think I've got to self-sacrificially love your life like Christ loved the church. That's why we can love in spite of our feelings. That's why, because we can choose to say, I love you even though you've offended me. I love you even though you're driving me crazy right now. I love you even though I want to go away from you right now. I'm going to choose to love you and lay down my life for you because ultimately I remember what Christ did for me and he chooses to love me. Even when I offend him, even when I blow it. he loved me, called me to repentance in a loving way. So let's jump into where we're going today. Um, this is be number six from verse 15. And let the peace of God, let the peace that comes through Christ, rule in your hearts. If any of you goes up to as members of one body, you're called to live in peace and always be thankful. So let's just jump right into to understand we're called to live in peace. You see what he's saying there? And if you make Christ supreme, you have the ability to walk in peace. Now this is really counterculture. This is up there with, Lord, well, give me patience, right? We love the fruits of the Spirit, patience and self-control. Those are just, just ones that we like to sign up for. God, give me patience. Watch out praying that prayer. You're going to probably get onslaughted with uh, stuff that annoys you. God, give me patience. And this the middle one one: God, give me peace. Immediately, the enemy is battling for the peace that is in our hearts. We're called to live in peace. How do we do that? We make Christ supreme. Because He, one of His titles is the Prince of Peace. He's called peace. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. It's one of the the names of God. We're called to live in His peace. It's not just arbitrarily living like, ooh, I I feel kind of comfortable right now. No, it's to live in a supernatural peace that goes above... Natural abilities. thats saying I should be stressed out, but there's peace. I should be completely, you know, in the corner in the fetal position, sucking my thumb, but I have peace right now, and it's supernatural because He is the Prince of Peace. And I, I, I like what He says: "Let peace rule." The word there is "Let it be the judge, let it be the umpire." And what is what is Paul saying there? He's going back to Colossians 1 when He says, let it be the judge. Let it rule. Let it be supreme in your life. In other words, peace is not just a thing, it's a man. The Prince of Peace. So let Jesus, what He's saying is let Jesus rule. Let Jesus be supreme and then you will walk in His peace because He is peace. And so then He gives us this ability to live above our circumstances and not be dictated or ruled by them. If you're being dictated or ruled by your circumstances and you're not walking in much peace, we need to check our hearts again. The first place is Christ supreme. Is He ruling in my heart? Because a lot of times, when we are taking control, that's when we sign up for anxiety and stress. It's because when we're in control, it's really bad. When he's in control, it's like, God, you got this. Leave me, God, and help me to walk and live in peace. Here's what Jesus told his disciples in John 14. Um, let's go back one. Yeah, there we go. I'm leaving you with a gift. And he was about to leave. And, and again, the context here is he was about to leave. He just told him that he's going to his father's house. You know, father's house where there are many mansions. He's going to prepare a place for us. Good news. And the idea of him saying, I'm leaving, disturbed the disciples. I mean, this whole talk, all along when he's talking about being crucified, they could they would have had a hard time wrapping their minds around what he was saying because they saw that he had authority, that they saw that he was going to go counterculture, he was going to lay down his life, which seemed like a great defeat, It ended up being the greatest victory. But he keeps talking about leaving, and so they are troubled. But he says, I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. That is a gift. Isn't that a gift? It's an amazing gift. When you walk in anxiety or stress or when you when you get a taste of God's peace, it's an amazing gift. I shared this a while back where I was kind of going through a little bit of a, a season where it was, it, it was just a lot of stress and I was feeling anxious and it's a specific thing that I was trying to deal with and, and, and it just brought me a lot of just unrest where I wasn't sleeping very well. And one Morning. I got up very early, and you know, I couldn't sleep. And I went down, and I sat on my couch, and and, and and it was just kind of one of those kind of very honest kind of David prayers of saying, "God, I I can't live like this. This is not fun at all. And I I need I need something from you. I need I need your, your grace and your peace and and um, and, and now you get to just pray so very honest. And God loves our honest prayers, and 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 all I can say is that in that moment. It was like peace came down like a a fog. Not a visible thing, but just like a it just kind of settled in my heart Was just a lot of peace. And I felt like the Lord said, this is not your problem. And His peace came. And I can tell you, that peace was a gift. Jesus said, I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. The peace I give, listen to what He says, is a gift the world cannot give. If you're looking for peace, in your circumstances getting better, that's not true peace. That can be that can be peaceful. That can be a moment of... It can be a break. But God wants to give us true peace where we're walking in peace. Again, not just peace being a thing, but peace being a person, Jesus. And He says you can't get that from the world. You can't get that from the world. doesn't matter what you're striving for or what answers you think that you are looking for in your circumstances. You can only get this gift from Him. And then he says, so don't be troubled or afraid. Don't be troubled or afraid. And they're gonna, they were going to need to hold on to that, especially when they watched him, watched him go to the cross. And they scattered, and they were in fear. And they were going to need to hold on to these things later on, even when they themselves, a lot of them gave up their lives, were arrested, and were killed for the name of Jesus. It's interesting that, uh, you know, to go back to then, then to unpack this idea of peace a little bit further. In Genesis, remember when God is creating things, and I talked about this when we began this series where this battle for supremacy, we see Adam and Eve saying, "Well, we're going to take ownership of our own lives, and that's why they do it. That is the sin. And that's the sin that we all will battle. When we walk sin in sin and disobedience to God, it is saying, I will call the south my God. Well, when God was creating, remember that word where He said, you know, He created the animals and whatever, He said, the sky, the stars, and He saw that it was good. And that word there, it's, it's, it's kind of a loaded word. It's more than just like we, we say, you know, whatever, that something is good to us, like, you know, it's all good. You know, that the saying now, it's all good. Oh, that's good. I taste something that I like. That's good. That's not really the word. I didn't just look at there and go, like, oh, that, that's good. And moving on. What he's saying there is is he's speaking actually, you can unpack that word. He's speaking to his shalom, the peace. It, it, it's as it should be. Everything was in rhythm. Everything was as it should be. That's why when sin came, all that it was should be was fractured. And that's why we have... Hurt, pain, sickness, disease, storms—all these things that are happening—the world groans, we grown because we are looking to be made right again. But when God said it is good, He said it is—it is my shalom, it is my peace, it is as it should be, because He was the original designer of all how things should be. And so He said it was good. It's my peace. It's, my, it's as it should be. That's why the gift that Jesus gives us and and He Himself is peace, that's in a world of chaos when we make Him supreme and He gives us this gift of peace. It can be as it should be in our own hearts. In the midst of chaos, in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of even our hard circumstances, it can be as it should be because Christ is making things right in my own heart. That's why when Christ came the first time and He was on the earth, He spiritually made things right by what He did—the cross and the resurrection. That's why we still see today you see sickness and disease and storms and all of these things. You, one day He will return again. Yeah, he's going to set everything right. Where there'll be we have find find out in Revelation there will be no more tears, no more death, no more sorrow. It will be, everything will be as it should be. But now, spiritually, in our hearts, it can be as it should be. That we're in relationship, we were created to have relationship with God and walk in his peace. That's how it should be. So we can receive his shalom as a gift. We're called to walk in peace. Let's go to the next one. And so, then Paul says even in Romans 12, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. In other words, make sure you're right with God and people. Make sure you're able to lay your head down at night and why God, I, I have made things right. And again, sometimes when we walk in turmoil or anxiety, if we need to make some things right. maybe with God or with others. Sometimes we nod and we want peace, but God's saying, He's calling us to do something. Good. You know, you need to make that right. You need to forgive. You need to repent. You need to maybe make that step toward that person that you've been ignoring because the peace is there for us to walk in and, and we have to be obedient. And if we're not walking in peace, there could be something wrong in those relationships that God is trying to call us to make right. And he says, as far as it's concerned with you, what does that mean? He says, it doesn't matter what the response is. That's what Paul is saying. I mean, obviously, we would love that, you know, the 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 great ending of the story. I'm sorry, well, I'm sorry, and we hug and we grow we weep, we cry, and we're family again. Sometimes it doesn't happen. Sometimes you approach the person and they don't want any part of it, but you can say, as far as two things me, I'm going to be at peace. And you make whatever you can make right. And that's where, again, Paul says that we need to make allowance for one another. As far as it's concerned with me, be at peace. And then he constantly that that same verse always be thankful. And and I, I, I If you're like me, I wrestle with that. Anybody else here? Always be thankful. We was told over and over by Paul to be thankful. The first Thessalonians, he says, be thanks in all circumstances. I'm like, what? How do you do that? And again, I think that as as we make Christ supreme I and mean, we make Him the Prince of Peace in my heart then we can trust Him that no matter what is happening, I can say, thank you, God, that you are in control. Thank you that you are working all this together for my good and your glory. I don't get it. I don't understand it. But thank you. Paul, again, in context, Paul wrote these words from prison. He wasn't on vacation in Hawaii saying, give thanks in all circumstances. It that wonderful. It, it's easy to do that, right? We're the most worshipful when we're on vacation. Aren't we? Man, knows it's like no responsibilities. And it's like, oh, God, you're so good. Thank you for this beach and sunshine and non-negative people around me. Um, it's very easy to worship on vacation. Paul's in prison writing these words and he's saying it always gets to things. Because again, how he can do it is verse, verses 1 and 2 of Colossians 3 where he says, set your heart and mind and things above this is all temporary. Even as worse as it might be on the earth, it's all temporary. We belong to a different kingdom. We belong to Jesus. We will one day be in heaven with Him, where there are no, there's no more sorrow, suffering. We will be with Him forever, in eternity. It's all temporary, so we can be thankful. And then number seven, verse sixteen. Paul says, Let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom that who gives? He gives. Give counsel from what He gives, the wisdom He gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with what? What kind of a heart? There it is again. And so, what does he say? He said, "Let the gospel of Jesus and the life that we have in Him fill every area of your life." Let it fill every area of your life. When we make Jesus supreme, the richness of the gospel is displayed in every area of our life, even when we blow it. Again, I've said this before, that walking with Christ, being in relationship with Christ, making Him supreme, it's a daily thing. That's why Jesus didn't have to take up the cross and make it every day. It's a battle for supremacy every day. So even when we stumble and fall, Flat on our face, and we blow it. We get up in the name of Jesus. We get off the throne in the name of Jesus. We make him the ruler of our lives in the name of Jesus, and we keep walking. And when people see us, how we respond to Christ, even when we blow it, is a part of how we can let the message of Christ in all Christians fill our lives. But so we let it. Ooze out of us wherever we go, how we live, again how we treat others. We're walking in kindness and gentlemen with passion and patience. People see the richness of the gospel in our lives, in our homes, at our work, at our school, with our friends. In other words, don't compartmentalize your Christianity. Don't just be a Christian when you come in here. And then out there, we're not very Christful. That's where we say, God, help me in every area of my life. Help people to see you in me. That your spirit would be so alive in me that it points people to the reality of who you are. Not where people go, look how awesome you are. My greatest testimony is when they see you, you're not that great, so what's that about you? That's what Peter says. But in your hearts, revere Christ before. And here's Peter. What is he saying that? In your hearts, make Christ the Lord is the is a supremacy. Make Christ revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But then listen to what he says. But do this with gentleness and respect. Isn't that great? gentleness and respect to people, even when they say, what, what is it about you? And you can say with gentleness and respect and humility, it is the work of Christ. That's the only way I can explain it. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was dark, but now I'm walking in the light. I was a sinner. Now I'm saved by grace. It is all the work of Jesus. He is supreme in my life. That's why I have hope. Impulses teach and Paul, so can counsel each other with the wisdom that he gives. There's enough psycho out there in our culture for uh, enough for all of us. And it's just, you know, just be better. We're all good, basically. No, we're not all good. The gospel is that we're all rotten to the core, and Jesus himself is good. He saves us. People aren't basically good. That's humanism 101, and it's a touch the heart is deeply wicked above all who can know it, the Bible says. And so, we're not basically good and we don't want people to human ways of thinking but biblical ways of being led by the Spirit. Of the reason that He did. that's why we should know the Word and we should hide the Word in our heart that when we come across people that are going through and we should counsel them to them, we should counsel them to them, we should encourage one another, we're told to do that encourage each other in the Lord to point people to Christ. So Athena and I have the opportunity to, you know, and God opens doors where we get to minister and chat with people that are maybe not Christians or they don't go to church here and they're going through something and you get to sit down with them and and, and they kind of open up their heart to you. It's it's, it's a real privilege and honor when people do that. But what we always do is we begin the conversation by you just need to know that our counsel to you, our, our advice to you, whatever it would be, it's going to be in a foundation of the Word of God, who who we are in Christ, the Spirit of God, and that's, that's, that's how we're going to counsel you. You just need to know that. I mean, it, it, it's, it's and going forward, and we have great conversations with people, and it's a, sometimes an opportunity to point them to Christ, and that should always be the goal. But even as we counsel each other and we encourage each other, let's do it with the wisdom that He gives, pointing them to Christ. Again, who is wisdom? wisdom is more than a thing. It's the person. Jesus is wisdom. His ways are best. He is better than anything else. Living His way leads to the greatest contentment and joy that we're searching for. And then Paul says again, have a song in your heart. Sometimes. Hymns, songs, um, spiritual songs, to the Lord, a thankful heart. And he says it again, a thankful heart. And so when we walk around, it, that doesn't mean that you know, you have to walk around singing all the time. Um, unless you're just to that. Um, people might distance themselves from you if you do that too much. Um, but he said, have a song in your heart. We should be constantly worshipping God. Thank you of who you are. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. The psalm, when David wrote psalms, it was just this, you know, a lot of old to music but it was just this idea of, of God who you are, who I am in you, and remembering who God is that we have a song in our hearts. And then lastly, verse 17, whatever you do or say, whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father, giving well to Him, see a theme? Maybe we're needing to hear something from these verses. In Christ, when we belong to Christ, and we are following Him, Paul says we are His representatives. We represent Him to the world around us. And so my question is, as a Christ follower, how are you doing or representing Him to the world around you? Because if we have His Spirit in us, we become representatives. And Paul says, whatever you do or say, your words and your actions, whatever you do or you say, let it be as a representative. Be His representative. Be His ambassador. And I'm going to touch on that in just a moment where in Second Corinthians, Paul calls us ambassador. And how do we do that? We stay close to Him. Representative. When you represent someone, you know them. You don't just know about them. You get to know them because what you're going to do is you're going to step from that person. If you're representing someone. You get to know them. You talk to them. That's like in the legal field. You know, um, when a lawyer represents someone, a good lawyer sits down and they have a conversation. They have multiple conversations. They spend lots of time with this person to find out not just. A lot of times it's not just about the case itself, but who is the person? So that I can adequately represent them. And when we are walking with Christ and we are loving Him and we are letting His Word be in our hearts and we are loving Him and worshiping Him, we get to know Him. And again, the word intimacy, know relationship, then we can adequately represent Him to the world around us. But we ask for His Spirit to fill our lives, and we commit our time to Him, we commit our lives to Him. And there's that word ambassadors, 2 one, 5.20, we are Christ's ambassadors. This is God's making of appeal through us. That's a heavy, weighty, verse of for us in Christ followers, isn't it? That when we're following Christ, He's making His appeal, the appeal of the Gospel, for people to come back to God, be be reconciled with with God, come to know Jesus. He's making His appeal through us and how we represent Him. When we speak for Christ, when we plead, come back to God. And so as His ambassadors and His reps, He he makes this appeal to us and so people see how our how we live our lives, how we respond. How do we respond when something negative happens to us? How do we respond when there's something bad going on at work and people are bad-mouthing the boss? And, and are we involved in that and tearing down people and gossiping? Are we involved in that or do we just quietly excuse ourselves from that and say, I'm not going to go there? Or when someone... You know, it's being maybe mean to someone else and, and you get in the middle of that. Or do you excuse yourself saying, God, help me. I don't want to get involved in that. But how do we respond? Do we forgive as Christ has forgiven us? That's how He makes it appeal through us. And it's what we are clothed with. Are we clothed in His self-sacrifice, His love, His mercy, His compassion, His patience, His humility? we walk in repentance. Because that's our loudest voice. That is our loudest voice. That is the greatest message that we preach and declare to the world around us as God and Bethel, as His representative, is, is His life being manifest in and through me. More than my words. And we are to proclaim, but we are to proclaim in grace and love. And we are to speak the truth and we can defend the truth. There's nothing wrong with that. But the loudest message, the loudest protest that we will make is how we live our lives. If I want to make a statement on marriage, the loudest statement I can make is how I treat my wife and how I love her and lay my life down for her. And then Peter just be ready to give an answer. As soon as sometimes we will speak and people will come and they will say, what is different about me? And we can say, it's the work of Jesus. It's a hope in Jesus. It's not a hope in my circumstances, but it's a hope in Him. And we are called to be His ambassadors. And even that political term ambassador, we have these ambassadors to different countries across the world. You know, the United States ambassador to whatever, Japan, England, whatever you want to do, but we have yet. ambassadors. That they go on behalf of us and again, they know who we are. We, They know who they are representing. And as Christ ambassadors, we know who He is. We know Him in relationship. We know what He says. We know His love and His grace. And then out of that place of being with Him, we go and we are in ambassadors to the world and help us. And the most effective thing that we can do to be as an message to maintain him supreme. It goes back to preeminent first, unconditionally surrendering our lives to him. And then it, once again, what is called things is give thanks. And so in the last three, verses 16, 17, or, yeah, 16, 17, or 15, 15 17, Three times in a row, it's thanks, it's thanks, it's thanks. If He says it once, it's important. If He says it twice, it's really important. If He says it three times, we better take note. We are to live thankful with thankful hearts, always. Again, counter counterculture. We need to pay attention of why He's telling us to be thankful. And thankfulness is a testimony of God's goodness Culture kind of pays attention that I'm thankful when I get what I want. I'm thankful if my circumstances are good. I'm thankful if I'm on vacation. I'm thankful when it's mostly about me. That's when I'll be thankful. And he's saying no in spite of all that. Be thankful. Have a thankful heart. Don't be focused on what you don't have. There's a lot of people live there. If only I had this, I would, I truly be happy. I would truly be thankful. If I only had this, God is saying, outside of that, outside of what you don't have, are you thankful to Him? True thankfulness leads us to peace and contentment. That's why Paul again could write from prison in Philippians 4. He said, "I've learned to be content in all things." whether I have much or very little, whether my belly is full or it's empty, I've learned to be content because I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And the idea there, again, I, I had to look this word up. What is it in the Greek? What is Paul saying when he says he thinks things? thankful. This is more than just an idea of uh, you know. Well, thank you. I you know I appreciate that. That the word there is, it's the giving of thanks specifically for God's grace. And He says we can always be thankful for God's grace because God's grace enables us to live the life that Paul's been describing. It's God's grace. How do we live it? By God's grace, by God's strength. That's why Paul said, "I can do all things not through me, it, through Christ who gives me like, strength." It's His grace. Paul deals very wrong with in Romans me. he said, "Should we us grace is so great, so should we spend more so that we can have more grace?" He said, "No, you've you, you, you got it all mixed up. God's grace is there to, to give us what we don't deserve to help us live the way God has called us to live. That's God's grace." How are you free from that? God's grace. How are you not, uh, you used to live this way and now you're living this way. Huh? It's God's grace. He's empowered me and I'm so thankful that he's helping me to live that kind of life. You to not be very patient. You're kind of more patient that by God's grace. By his strength. I'm living this kind of life. That's why Paul is reminded to thankful. He's thankful for God's grace. He's thankful for God's grace because it's only by his grace that we can walk this out. Please stand with me? God, as I look around our world and God, see the different things that are going on in, our, in, 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 in the world. Lord, literally all over the world. Jesus, things that you said would happen, uh, turmoil, chaotic things, or even... As you said, as the end times approach, you would see wars and rumors of wars, and earthquakes, and the earth would groan more and more, and there would be all kinds of things happening. And Lord, you told us all that, but you have said to us that this world is not our home. Lord, we're not living for just this life. God forbid that the people of God live the American dream. But Lord, that we would live for the dream of Jesus. For the kingdom of God. Lord, whether we have much or we have little, that we would learn to be thankful. Lord, we would love each other. That Lord, we would live counterculturally. That we would live in a different spirit. And not of the spirit of the age that says, mine, mine, I demand this, I demand that. This is my right to this. And but Lord, we would just lay down our lives and say, Jesus, be Lord, be supreme in my heart when He live for You and let people come to know Jesus through my life. Lord, I think that this message, it, Lord, we, we, we need this message now more than ever. And God, today, again, we choose to make you supreme over all. And I encourage you to do that. In your own heart, that you would make Jesus supreme. You would put him on the throne. You would remove yourself. And you would unconditionally surrender to him. Because that's what it means to follow him. follow following him. So we need So, Lord, we give you our hearts. We give you our lives. We ask, God, that we would be your representatives to the world around us. In Jesus' name we pray.